From in the beginning to the musical apocalypse, this is The Bible Says What? I'm your host, Mike Wiseman. Just to clear the air a bit, the assumption that I only talk about Christianity because I'm afraid to say anything bad about other religions is completely ridiculous. I am no fan of any religion, but I was raised in a Christian home, so that is what I know best. Also, I live in America, and Christianity is absolutely everywhere. That being said, I do not hate religious people. Some have accused me, even my own sister-in-law, of hating religious people. This, of course, is pure poppycock. I hate the belief and not the believer. I've been there. I was them. I sympathize with their situation. I believed in Jesus and his magical blood. I bought into it all until I removed my Jesus goggles and actually read the Bible. Why did I believe? Because that was all I knew. The belief, the silly ideas, the pretending. Eventually, I grew up and thought for myself. I investigated and rationalized, leading to the only logical conclusion. Atheism. It's far past time we put aside childish beliefs. Believing the Bible to be true has hindered mankind. It has damaged our world. If we are going to make it as a species, if we want this planet to thrive and survive, then we need to stand up against bad ideas. We need to speak out and question irrational beliefs and behaviors. It starts with believing the Bible to be true, and it ends with people's rights being taken away. Let's start the show. Is there anything in the Bible that you yourself have an issue with? <laughs> okay, so it took you reading the Bible to realize that those things were bad for you? Yeah, it actually did. I, I didn't figure this out on your own? No, Ted, Ted Bundy could be redeemed. God doesn't kill children. Does, what, what do you think the Passover was? Yahweh sets up a whole system in the Old Testament where you slaughter animals just so he's able to forgive you. Today's special guest is author, songwriter, and inventor, Guy Morris. Welcome to the show, Guy. Thank you, Michael. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for coming on. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, now I'm I'm retired uh, from hmm. a 36-year Fortune 100 career, and uh, my third act career is uh, an author. And I chose to write thrillers that are inspired by true stories and deep research because I love infusing hmm. fiction with a lot of fact. Gotcha. Thrillers. What made you get into thrillers? Well, you know, I suppose for a couple of reasons. One is those are the books that I love the most. Um, uh, Michael Crichton, um, oh, yeah. uh, James Rollin, um, Dan, Steve Barry, um, uh, James Curry, uh, Dan Brown, uh, people that can take me someplace I've never been, Yeah, uh, reveal something I didn't necessarily know, hmm. and then create characters in a plot that keep me so engaged that... I'm having to turn the pages just to make sure I can understand, well, gee, what's going to happen next. <laughs> and and, and it, it makes a, the process of learning what they have to say uh, and, and kind of thinking, it gets you thinking about things in a different way. And, uh, and, and I love that. It, um, I came from a very stressful youth and, and I had a very stressful career. So maybe I was used to that level of intensity, mm -hmm. but um, it, it, uh, it, to me, it's extremely entertaining. Um, I, I I know that if I wrote 
romance novels or something lighter hearted, a uh, little lighter weight that that'd probably be more popular. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, those, as I said, those are the books that I gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. And I love the format because it allows me to continue to research really deep things and then try and create mm-hmm. a what would happen if what what could go wrong scenario um, that would that uh, helps pull people into that um, that process. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. No, thrillers. I love them, man. Do you have a favorite? I, I, I am a sailor. Uh-huh. Um, I was actually I lived on a my, a, a, my yacht for about five, six years. Uh, I was a charter um, Coast Guard charter captain. Um, so, that, and I, I did. I earned that because I, I I've been out sailing for so much. I had all the hours, and it allowed me to basically charter my boat on the weekends and and pay for the maintenance and the upkeep on the boat. Um, my son and I both lived on the boat. I raised my my son as a single parent on, on the ship. Um, we went diving. We went sailing. We went um, exploring around the California coast. Oh, fun. And it, great great way for him to grow up and from us to spend time together and from i i don't tend to be super social mm. uh, i i'm a little bit of an introvert that way and, and intellectual i guess and and so but the boat allowed me to basically say hey i'm going out on saturday or sunday it was always every almost every weekend it was mm. in california and for me to say if you'd like to come please come on down bring a friend and I got to meet so many fascinating, wonderful, interesting people that way. And mm-hmm. it allowed me to just be a host without necessarily having to entertain because being on the water and being with their friends and being on such a beautiful ship was entertainment enough. So yeah. it was an easy way for me to really build a social life. And actually, that's how I met my my current wife. Um, awesome. I invited her down um, one weekend, and it turns out she and her friend were the only two to show up. <laughs> so um, the entire day together, and then I cooked them dinner, and then the rest became uh, a few months later. She asked me to marry her. <laughs> oh wow! Wow, nice. Well, congrats. <laughs> I was scared to death. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. it is scary. It's definitely scary. Oh man, but it's fun. It's a fun plunge uh, if you take it with the right person, though. That's for sure. It was. It, it turned out to be one of the 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 best irrational decisions I've ever made. <laughs> um, uh, and, and we joke about it now yeah. that it's this, the whole story uh, is, is a lot of fun. We, we tell it to, to dinner guests and things like that. But uh, uh, at the time I was, I was, um, I had convinced, I had been a single parent for 10 years. And so mm-hmm. I had convinced myself that while I had many, many talents, Picking a good woman was not one of them. <laughs> it's not easy, man. It's not easy. It's not your fault. It's just you got to. Yeah, it's not easy. It's my fault. I tended to go towards pretty actresses that didn't have anything underneath. So uh, <laughs> stay away from them. Stay away from them. Stay away from them. Yeah, they're, they're danger. Yeah. Danger, Will Robinson. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. That's a cool story. Um, so let's dive into the fun stuff. No, uh, absolutely. You do consider yourself a Christian. Absolutely. I uh, accepted the Lord when I was around 15 years old. Uh, I was, um, I had been homeless um, Hmm. a couple, about two years before that. At 15 or or I mean at 13? At 13, I was a homeless boy. And I went home so I could get a GED. And um, I actually, it wasn't in a church. It was actually on a a dirty gutter downtown LA or Chino street. Hmm. And um, 
um, some I had gotten suspended from school no. that day, and I was not in a good mood because I knew I was in for some some uh, beating when I got home. Hmm. And um, and so some guy, hippie guy, kind of came up behind me, and he was carrying a Bible, and and he started getting real close. I started getting nervous, and so I hmm. kind of turned around and I grabbed him by the shirt and told him that he he you know he you know just back off, and and he and he. <laughs> And he, he started praying for me. Hmm. And I honestly, I didn't even know what to do with that. And yeah. the Lord touched my heart. So, yeah, I've been a Christian since I was 15. And, and um, I was a worship leader in Venice Beach, uh, California, which is a huh. really interesting place to, yeah. to, to lead worship. Um, sometimes we, it would not be uncommon to have people um, walk by the church, hear the music, come into the church in their bikinis and and flip-flops and and wayfarers and kind of take up the back couple rows hmm. uh, on their way to church on their way to the beach hmm. interesting interesting so that's an interesting story did you have any uh hecklers while you were doing this anybody come up to you and uh try and challenge or or discuss with you uh not at the church no hmm. um oh, on Venice. I, well, no. I mean, in Venice, we we mm-hmm. didn't go down and really evangelize on 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 the boardwalk all that much. You know, um, we were so close to the beach that we figured our ministry was just to, you know, just be honest, be ourselves, and and the the people that the Lord would pull in, He'd pull in. And gotcha. um, and as I said, there were there were a handful every week, uh, people that weren't planning on coming stopping by, but they were they had parked a few blocks away because they had to, and and they were walking to the beach. And they just happened to walk by our church. It was a little old 1920s, you know, your typical white mm-hmm. white building with a little temp with a little steeple, and and it was right across the street from the post office in the little Venice Circle. And so we were kind of in a prime location, and mm-hmm. and because there was no air conditioning, it was an old building. The windows were always open, <laughs> and um, you know, you'd get people kind of doing that little kind of peering through the window, and yeah. and um, we just my job was to just um, you know play our hearts out, you know, and, um, and, and I had the best job of, of, of anybody. And, and, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was great. We had, um, we had a few celebrities stop by from time to time. Mm. Um, um, members of um, um, different rock groups um, would sometimes stop in and, and check us out. And mm. so it was, a, it was, it was an honor um, at, at the time. And, and I was, that was about the same time I was living on the boat in Marina Del Rey, just about a couple of miles away. Yeah. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Uh, deep dive in, though. Uh, when you said, Lord, touch your heart, what do you mean by that? The guy started praying for you and then God touched your heart. Ex- explain that one. You know, I, I, I <clears throat> it wasn't that um, I had been going to church. I, mm-hmm. we had, the, the only time I had ever been in a church prior to that. Hmm. Was my mom had divorced my dad, married a, an Italian mafioso, and we moved from Honolulu, Honolulu to Newark, New Jersey, where my nickname was "Give me your money, flip flops." <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I was, I was, I'm a, I'm a small guy. I, I was pretty skinny at the time, and 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 um, so I was. There was a one particular guy um, who would bully me all the hmm. time, and. At a certain point in time, my my stepdad's family just put a lot of pressure on my mom and 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 us that I, I had to get um, I had to get confirmed in the Catholic Church. So I had to go to catechism. 
Mm-hmm. And we had never really even gone to church much, um, but I had to go to catechism. And the bully that mm-hmm. was um, um, that was off to me the whole time um, basically decided to pick on me there. And he poured a cold ice drink down my shirt, mm-hmm. down my back. And something, so, you know, I had never really understood who the Lord was, but he started praying. He actually started praying in tongues and the spirit of the Lord just touched me. I had lived in a very violent, very abusive um, on every single level that you can imagine um, home. I had run away when I was four, when I was six, when I was 13 and I left home when I was 15. Um. And so there was something about the spirit of the Lord to just touch my heart. I started crying. I realized that I, I didn't even understand what Jesus was, but I knew I needed a major, major change in my life. And I didn't even fully understand what that meant. Huh. Um, uh, but I, I knew that somehow um, this was, and I would have put it at the time, something like this, that if God exists at all, he was trying to speak to me. He was trying to speak. Let's dive into that. He's trying to speak to you, um, but you you felt him touch your heart. He didn't speak to you. He's trying to, but he 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 touched he your heart. That he that I that I was loved, that I was cared for, which made absolutely no sense to a kid like me. Well, I mean, let's back up a little bit. Yeah, I, I understand you. That, that's tough, man. That's tough. I had no no theological framework from which to understand the emotions I was feeling. Right. So you attribute these emotions to to God. Why do we attribute them to God? Because I had never felt them before. So a a new emotion is God. New emotions, hope, one of them. Uh Um, 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 a, A faith that God did exist and he was reaching out to me through this guy I didn't even know. Uh-huh. Um, I, I was, I, I had, um, it was, it was, it was just a spiritual awakening. So do and you think the Bible, uh-huh. um, he basically, it was an old battered, torn up, marked up Bible. And I went home and, and I got I one was, of those. I, that's what I started. <laughs> and, um, I, I remember getting home that day and trying to explain to my mom that I had found the Lord and her first um, response was to wall up and slap me really hard. Um, saying, you're not going to get out of trouble that easy. Don't pull that crap on me. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> man, your mom, your mom. <laughs> I had, it was a, it was a tough place to grow up. Um, but I, 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 I didn't have a church. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't anything really local. Um, a few weeks later, I hitchhiked about, um, uh, it was about a four-hour hitchhike to go to Calvary Chapel mm-hmm. in Costa Mesa. And, um, and where I kind of went there, I, I kind of visited that church a few times and was really impressed by the Spirit and started hearing people actually start to teach a little bit. Do you, and, sorry, do you feel uh, like they were you were more accepted? Um, because of this, because of this belief or because of this religion and this church, you were more accepted because you, I mean, from what you're telling me, it doesn't feel like you were I very, was, didn't I have really much. That church. I basically, I, to me, I was, I was used to kind of sneaking in the back and trying not to cause much trouble. Um, uh, several months later, um, couldn't have been more than about maybe six months or, or so later. Um, I got my GED. Mm-hmm. 
And the only reason I got my GED is when I was homeless and most of my, my, my younger years, I had um, worked with migrant workers. And because I had some kind of work credit experience, they allowed me to, to graduate, even though I was functionally illiterate and I'd only mm -hmm. gone to the 10th grade and even missed half of the ninth grade. And it was kind of a, um, ironic. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'd heard about a Christian commune in Tucson, Arizona, and um, hitched, packed up a small little duffel bag, uh, army surplus duffel bag. And I had an old Spanish guitar that I bought in Tijuana and it was in a box and I taped up the box and I, I had a little uh, hat that was given to me by an old man that a um, uh, little derby and, and I went out to the freeway and I hitched my way through the desert and ended up in Tucson about 3.30 in the morning. And um, I almost perspired. I, I was stuck in the heat of the like 115 degree part of the desert for several hours Oof. as people yeah. just passed me by. So I was I was thankful to get there, and um, that was the beginning of my Christian walk. And um, I stayed with the commune for about three four months, and then I went out and got a job and got a roommate and. But I kept going to the church, and, and um, that was the beginning of my life transition. The other big piece of transition, and, and I never could have ever imagined this happening. Um, it was a few years later. I was, I guess I was now 18, and 19, and, and I had married young. And, mm -hmm. uh, and um, I, at the time, I was working a, a um, six-day-a-week, 14-hour-a-day job driving produce to deliver to hotels and restaurants and hmm. um, different institutions. And it was a pretty tough job. You, you basically get at the warehouse like 4.30 in the morning and you wouldn't get done till like 8 o'clock at night. And it was a lot pretty physical. Yeah. And I, I was, my wife, was, my we'd only been married several months and my wife was very upset because I was, my I would, I'd go to church on Sunday and then I'd want to sleep all after Sunday. <laughs> And she said, I never get to see you. You you have to get a new job. Well, I said, I, I can't just quit. It's not like we have a savings. Hmm. So I, at the time, you know, Christians were taught the women should not go to work. Hmm. And so I said, oh, okay, well, God, can I send her to work just long enough for me to find another job? Hmm. And this is, I think, probably one of three times I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me something specific and something that I would never have thought of felt that speak. he came out of the blue and he basically said, I want you to get up. I want you to go to college. And I'm like, huh. college. It's like college. I, I couldn't even finish high school. Uh -huh. You know, I have no, I only have money to, I don't have money to basically take a few weeks off to find a different job. How am I going to afford yeah. this? Is, that's nuts. That's nuts. So we went back and prayed some more. A little while later, I felt the Lord say, I want you to get up right now. I want you to call the university and ask for an application. So I did. I thought, well, okay, I'll just I'll just go along with this. I, I felt it very strong. It was it was such a clear, strong voice. So I did a couple of days later, the application came. I needed my wife's help to complete the application because I was functionally illiterate. And I, I, I was supposed to pick a, 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 a um, major. So the, the voice didn't tell me anything about that. So I, I'm doing you know, kind of thing, you know, on, on the thing. And it comes up electrical engineering. I'm like, what does an electrical engineer do? You know, maybe that's a sound engineer. Maybe he's like a hmm. musician. 
got like a studio guy and that's you know i was totally off yeah a little different <laughs> so i had no transcripts i had to i had to write for my transcripts and when i got them i realized that i had been to before i dropped out in the 10th grade i'd already been to 16 schools uh-huh. and so which and i couldn't remember half of them most of my childhood was in that lost in amnesia and so i I sent in the application thinking, okay, well, this was a joke. And I went back to trying to figure out how I was going to get another job. Because hmm. I, I just thought this was, I don't know why God was having me do this, but, you know, okay, I'm I'm just I'm going to go through the motions. Well, a few weeks later, and this is, mind you, this is like in August and school uh-huh. started in September. And I kept thinking, there's no way I'm going to, I'm going to get into school. You know I mean? This, I mean, everything was just completely. Yeah, yeah. And so I get a letter and they say I was accepted. Uh-huh. And I, I was 24 units short of the minimum requirements, but they were going to allow me to make them up. Uh-huh. And, I, and, and my first thought was, whoa, don't let anybody in college. I thought that was <laughs> just for smart people. Boy, that blew that myth for me. Yeah. Said, but they, you know, tuition was like $5,000, which isn't much by today's mm. standard, but it was way more than it was like half of what I was making a year at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, well, that's interesting, but you know, I, no way. I, I can't, there's no way that's going to work. So I, I actually threw it away through the, the letter. Oh, wow. And because there was, I, I had no, I, there was no way I was going to get a scholarship or I was going to get, you know, uh, uh, financial aid with having barely finished high school. I was, I was surprised. Well. Or, the very next day, I got a letter from my father-in-law, and uh-huh. he had no idea that I'd been that we were doing this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say it; I didn't mention it to anybody because I was embarrassed. I thought it was crazy. Um, and he basically said, he, and he was a fairly wealthy man, and he said, "You know, I, I, it's been put on my heart really strongly that, yeah, I'm concerned that my that you are not going to be able to provide for my daughter in the way that she deserves. Um, I think you have a really crappy uh, lot in life." And I want you to seriously consider going to school. Did now pay for your tuition and your books. Now, You'll did he know that that you were having issues finding a job and whatnot? No, he oh, didn't he know didn't, any about. Didn't even know that I was wanting her to go look. I was trying to get another job. So he didn't know. He didn't know. His anything. wife didn't. Your wife didn't I, tell it, tell him or nothing. No. She was a little embarrassed too. She didn't think I was ever going to get in. Well, either way, that's that's awesome. I'm glad you were able to pay for it and, and get to go through it. You graduated and all that. That transformed my life. Yeah, um, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I no. struggled for the first couple of years because I I was just couldn't read. Um, yeah. I ended up with three degrees. I got nice a list. I was I got a scholarship to graduate school. Yeah, I wound up building a macroeconomic model that outperformed the blue chips at every university and every bank in the nation. Good job. I got accepted into Harvard. I got a job at IBM. Uh, it basically transformed my entire life. So all these good things, all these good things are because Yahweh touched your heart when you were 13. I acted on what God told me to do. Well, okay, let's talk about that. You did say you felt it speak. You didn't say you heard a physical voice. So how does one feel the speaking? How does that work? <sighs> It, it, it's like an idea that comes to you that's not something you're generating yourself. It's the only how I mean, do you know that? That's early. good. That's thank you for that. But how do you know that you're not generating your own thoughts? Where? How do you know that's not happening? 
Because I, I could never, I never, ever imagined that I would ever go to school. Okay. Now let's stop right there. Now, because I was, I was told my entire life, one, I was a worthless, dumb, excuse my word, dumb shit. Well, that sucks. I'm sorry. Um, and, and that, um, I would be the best I was ever going to hope for is if I could join a trade union and have a labor job. Um, and, and I believed it. Uh, I wasn't, as I said, I was functionally illiterate. Um, I wasn't, I didn't think I was all that, that good at that kind of stuff. I was a musician. I, I played guitar. I sang. I thought that was what I was supposed to do. Um, and we, so the idea of going into something like economics, finance, yeah. computer science, that was, it was never, I never had any role models like that. I never had anybody in my family that was like that. And, and, and to, have this voice say, I want you to go to college. And, and to me was, I, I, I can't tell you how much of a shocker that was. Well, it was like I I mean, had- yeah, it's, it's an idea that seems far-fetched to you, but in, in the, the, the grand scheme of things, if you're, if you're struggling, struggling with a job, the next step is so you can go to school to, to get a better job. That's it's part of that. We live in America. There's, there's colleges everywhere. There's TV commercials about colleges. We can pre- better ourselves by going to basically getting a, a job at a store clerk or getting a job at, you know, I was right, just but that's still an option for you, though. Right. I mean, in the back of your mind, in your subconscious, you know that college is still an option that you can have, regardless yeah. of if, if you don't think you're smart enough for it. And people have told you, but you know, it's in there. You know that people can go to college. So it's really not that giant of a smart people who did good in school and had families that had money could go to college dumb people with no money can go to college i am i'm a, a dumb kid i'm who one of those dropped out in 10th grade and i was, dropped out in ninth and you know did all the things that i did you know that and was, i did all the things i did so for me it was a real it was a real unexpected twist but to and me it's, it's not it's a normal thing that we're going to think about. And, and I see the same for you, Guy. It's the same. It's a normal process. It's not a, a, an astronomical thought. It's in your head already that you can go to college to better yourself. It's part of our society. So I don't see that as a crazy, awesome, amazing thought. It's just. I just never thought it would be. It would happen for me. Okay. Well, that's. Um, and I, I never thought that I, I. Not only did I not think I was worthy of college, but I, I, I knew that I never had the money. Okay, and, and um, I there was nobody in my family who had money. Everybody there was poor, so it was never something that I would ever give any serious consideration to. And be, and if I did, I would have no idea what to study, uh, because I I just was. But you didn't, and mind. you went like that, and that that's how you knew what to study is because you'd guess, right? I mean, well, that's I what had, you said. I had to go into like like the my first class in the in the in the very beginning courses of electroengineering, they might as well have been talking Chinese. They were so far over my head. Oh man, that's how I was in half my classes in college, man. That's why you're learning. That's the whole process. That's the whole yeah. point. You don't go to class knowing everything. That's I mean, what, what I, the point of class? I did what I was I was told to do. I Good. believe. God worked it out. And and once once I realized that God was going to let this happen, I absolutely went after it with um I worked like my life depended on it because in my head my life did. Yes. That's and, I mean um, that, that what I I don't see the 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 connection to God there though. We can both agree that we we both need we need schooling in order to better our situation sometimes. We can both agree that we have to work hard to get through that. 
you oh, know, where it, is the God part in all that though? I just don't, God, I'm not seeing it. Speaking to me to basically, but it's not speaking to you. Guy, job. you said he doesn't have a voice. He's not having a voice. It's a feeling. That, well, no, in this case, there was, a, there was, I heard, I heard this, I heard something say, I heard uh -huh. something tell me, get up right now, go open, get on the phone and call the university and get an application. Something told you all that, all that like a physical voice. Physical voice, not audible in terms of what, like you speak to me, but inside my head. That's what I'm talking about. So telepathic thoughts? Is that what what you're telling me? Is God selling you telepathic thoughts through his ghost? I, I you know, I, I don't, I've never analyzed it that way. Um, I, I just knew that somehow I was being told to do something I, I had never imagined doing. And never thought it would be possible, even if I did try. I thought the whole thing was sort of a joke, but I thought, well, maybe God's teaching me something like, um, 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 you know, in, in the scriptures to basically just to, to, to be obedient. And I was learning obedience, right? Learning obedience. Learning obedience. And, and I was just going to be obedient. And even if it didn't work out, you know, I was going to practice some obedience. And, and I was, as I said, I went back to, after that was done, I went back to trying to look at the papers and try and figure out, you know, what kind of job my wife could get, what kind of job I could get. And well, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Because I, you know, I didn't think any of this was going to happen. Yeah. So, but it changed my life. Um, of and, course. Yes. And, yes. And That's how college works. It changes your life. You get in debt, but you can get a better job, but you're still in debt. You know, <laughs> all that time spent, all the alcohol and drugs um so learning obedience that's an interesting thing so why do you think it's important to obey god wow we are sinful by nature the only way for us to understand his grace only way for us to walk in his spirit um, comes from obedience. Jesus said, those who do my word, those who follow after me and do my word will enter into the kingdom. He didn't say people who just called themselves Christian would enter in. He or didn't, didn't say people who thought they were religious would enter in. Didn't say people who understood spiritual or, or religious um, rituals and, and teachings would enter in. He hmm. said those who, you know, it, it was founded on a level of obedience. Now, obedience is not doesn't mean you get it right the first time or that you get it right every time. Obedience hmm. is that, okay, I know what I'm supposed to do. And even when I fail, you you pick yourself up and you go back to doing what you're supposed to do. And then when you fail again, you do that again. And then when you fail again, you keep doing it. Hmm. And it's obedience to me is not perfection. Obedience to me is setting a direction, deciding what voice, what teaching, what truth you want, you're, you're going to pattern your life after hmm. and making that the, um, overarching trend in your life now i still now for me i had and i didn't know this until my 50s actually but i carried with me the whole time i was i had a what they i was finally diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress hmm. all the things that i had experienced in my childhood left some deep traumas left some deep scars 
I struggled with addiction. I struggled with um, insecurities. I struggled with uh, anger. Mm -hmm. I struggled with a lot of things in my life. My, my career went great. My first marriage was a train wreck. Um, I had to recover from that. I had to learn how to be a father when I had absolutely no father figure. You're human. Yeah, same here, man. We all have to learn. We have to learn to do things, 100%. Yeah, I know. Same boat, man. It was, the, it was that obeying God. But it, it, had I not listened to that voice, my life would have been radically different. Had I not just said, okay, I don't understand. It's a good idea to go to college, though, guy. I mean, like, it's common sense at that point. You don't need God. You Again, you knew it. But I want to get back into the obeying. Sense. That's not the kind of obeying I'm talking about. I'm talking about orders from God obeying. Do you there think that... That were that actually thought that uh, it was a mistake for me because... Well, screw them. What do they know? Well... But you go know, to college, man. Better yourself. Screw those people, those doubters. I understand that now. Yeah. Back then, that was not my mentality. Well, if I was there, you wouldn't have needed God to touch your heart. I would have told you, you got this guy. I mean, well, come I, on. I man. had a lot of people who were basically saying, well, give it a good, give it your best effort. Give it that you college know? effort. The college try. That's what it is. <laughs> if you fail, that's okay too. You mm. know? If you don't make it, that's okay too. My mom shoot for the moon. At least you'll end up in the stars. Yeah. So, um, but it was that was the beginning of of, of a number of things that uh, I, I that also led me to uh, a number of experiences that uh, changed my life in other ways. I, I got it, in touch. That's with, how life uh, works, man. Technology and and I yeah. started world really worked. I was working with CXOs and major oil companies mm. and software companies, and I got to see. You oil um, companies. Uh, I got to see the world not as you learn about it in school, but how it mm. really works. Yes, real life. You got to experience yeah, it. You got to get out there. Lesson as well. I, yeah. I lived um, outside of Hollywood for a while, Marina Del Rey. Um, that, that gave me some spiritual lessons as well about that what we what we idolize uh, on the screen versus what the reality is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I want to get back to that obeying. I want. I want to. I want to get back to that. So when God tells somebody to do something, do you think it's always a good thing? Yes. Always a good thing. So I'm going to go back to Abraham and Isaac. Um, do you think that's a good thing? Abraham had to decide what was more important to him. The thing that he wanted most in life or the thing that made life possible. So it was a good thing. And I it was a purifying thing for him. I wow. Think. Okay, so uh, you're, you're hold on, hold on, guy. This is this is blowing my mind for a second here. I've never heard anybody uh, explain it this way. It was a purifying I, I, thing for I, Abraham. I want to use the example of Gideon. Now, oh. Gideon wanted to go against the the um, the um, I can't remember the name of the Amorites or whatever. One of those, yeah. Um, and he he started off with a th uh, an army of three thousand, which was still minuscule compared to the 150,000 that they were up against. And then God said, no, that's too many. And he, he finally whittles it down, whittles it down to basically 300. And it was because God wanted to tell him, and this was the lesson God wanted him to learn. And, and I, I love the story because it, it makes the lesson very clear and specific and easy to understand. I also love I that story. I to know that when it happens, it wasn't because of what you did. It was because I made it happen. And that is really important because we as a people 
tend to take a lot our, our, our easiest the easiest stumbling block we stumble over and almost everybody stumbles the christian non-christian alike is pride um, jesus, whether it's pride, jesus also pride. is very prideful all the glory for him right i mean that's pretty prideful and, and pride's a bad thing so how is it a bad thing when god loves being jesus humbled himself glorified being a man and being not only a man but a man with a reputation does jesus being- want all the glory guy does jesus want all the glory I wouldn't put it that way. That's what the Bible says. God is Jesus. Jesus is God. They want all the glory for themselves. Jesus deserved all the glory because Jesus he says, "Hate your mother and your father and your 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 wife and your kids." That's how much glory and love he wants. You have to hate your own family. That's a lot of pride. That's a lot of pride. I think it's it's a. It, he doesn't say to hate your old family. He says to put your family second. It says, hate your wife, hate your kids. Second. Now, if you also live what he said, he said, here's the two greatest commandments. Love God with everything that you have to give. Again, prideful. Love me. Love me more than anything else. Like, that's so prideful, God. God brings us us to a place that we can't bring ourselves to. He's never brought me anywhere. I brought myself everywhere. And guy, from what it sounds like. He's brought you everywhere, or you brought yourself everywhere as well. Your own thoughts, your own. You kicked ass in college, guy. God didn't do that. You did that. God was on the back, man. So hard. Here's one. Here's one of the things I, I try to tell people. One of the things I've studied over the years is prophecy. And I don't take prophecy from a lot of the ways that most teachers teach prophecy because I think they're teaching it wrong. I think they're bringing in historical bias, cultural bias, religious bias, um, all kinds of different biases, and they're misinterpreting a lot. But one of the things that I think that prophecy teaches us is that prophecy is not about God destroying humanity, but as much as humanity will destroy itself. We're we have in this day and age. Have you read Revelation? Day and age that God's in, doing that, and that we have the 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 money, we have the resources, we have the technology, we have the capabilities to solve virtually every single one of humanity's problems, from hunger to thirst, education to peace, um, environment and clean environment. We have, we could solve everything, uh-huh. but we don't. Greed and pride. The reason we don't is because our spirits are still polluted with greed, pride, hubris. Who polluted them? Um, Who polluted our spirits? We did. How did we pollute our own spirits? Uh, You know, cultural and and intent. I mean, history, look at history. Does history show at any point in time that man has basically been pure? Uh, Well, there's there's definitely some really great people out there that have done really great things. There's also some assholes out there who have done a lot of terrible things. So you can't just lump us all into one sum, though. But uh, as a culture, as a society, that's not where we go. I think we're doing pretty great so far. We're doing a lot better than we were. We're on that up onward and upward. You know, we're progressing. I see see climate change. Have you ever seen? Have you ever? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there's that. You know, we've got, we're basically killing off the reefs. We're basically polluting the oceans. They cut up, they cut open whales and they're full of plastics. Right. And greed, man. We've got, um, I deal with, um, my books deal with cyber technology and artificial intelligence. Those are fun. Developed into weapons, how that's uh, basically being developed to, to, for control purposes. I could basically say that, you know, yeah, we're, we're, those of us in the West who are living at the top of the pyramid are doing well from a 
physical comfort perspective. But we have still not been able to reach beyond ourselves to look at all the people who are starving to death in Africa, who are under uh, oppression. I do believe there's a lot of people trying, though, Guy. I think there's a lot of people trying to solve this. Not everybody. The oil companies you, you spoke of earlier are definitely not trying. Um, so there are some trying to solve right. it. The reason we're, it's taking so long and we're not making as much progress as we should. Pride and greed. Because they, that the system is basically set up against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I was I, I recognized this when I was with the oil company. I was actually in the board in the boardroom mm. on the day that um, our scientists, our own scientists, basically tried to suggest decades ago through some of their own research that the thinning of the ice sheets in the Arctic was directly tied to the amount of CO two carbon in the in the atmosphere related to fossil fuels. Yeah, they knew. And I was there when the chairman of the board went into all the money though. That was his whole point. He says, we sell oil. Yeah. It's our job to sell oil. He says, yeah. does it sell oil? And he went into a tirade and threatened to fire anybody who brought this subject up again. People are assholes sometimes. It happens. That's for sure. Yeah. You don't have to tell me twice, man. I'm just saying, you know, when 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 we look at um, ourselves and we try and think we've got it together, I kind of, I've, I've seen enough of how it, that at the highest levels of our of our society, it's really much more about money than about people. That care for the environment is only secondary, and if the government forces them to care, um, mm. and that you know the things that we think are important are not the things that are really driving how society is moving forward. And I think equates to why there's so much trouble in our politics, in mm. in our religions, in Quite our for sure. Now, um, prophecy talks about a number of things. And then one of the things that really oh, yeah. prophecy was that there's a prophecy called the seven trumpets in, in Revelation. So the yeah, seven yeah. basically goes through, you know, a third of the fish of the sea will die, a third of the birds of the air will die, a third of the beast of the sea will die. Uh, okay, pause right there, though. There pause be- right there. Are people causing those trumpets to be blown, or is this all part of God's plan and God is causing it? Uh, every single one of those problems has come from a human endeavor. And God set that in motion. In some sort of asteroid. Who set that in motion? The all-knowing God. God knows everything. And he, he knows knew. exactly what's going to happen. He so if point, he, he knows just... if he pushes this domino over, that all these other ones are going to fall. He knows. I blame us. Wh- which and part is our I, fault? He's doing some of that. Which part is our fault? Our pride and our hubris. Did so, he create us this way? Um, <laughs> he created us with a free will. We he chose created us the, exactly the way he wanted to create us, which so you're is prideful and sinful. We're supposed to be doing these things. I think that's insane. How is that I, insane? If he didn't I, want I, us to do these things, he would have set things in motion so we wouldn't have done these things. He would not have put his trees in the garden to no, set the whole thing he's, off. He's saying, he's been trying to tell us... For, for all the time that he's been trying to give us God, he hasn't told me nothing, and he hasn't told direction. you nothing. Only if we can purify ourselves would we be moving in a better direction. When you were 13, Guy, did God come to you, or did somebody else come to you? When I, well, I was 15. 15? Yeah. Did uh, God was, come to you, or was it someone else? I ran away, and I was a homeless street kid on the streets of L.A., starving to death, cold, afraid, um... But was it God, though? Was it God that came up and talked to you and, and prayed for you, or was it a human being? He sent a human being. He sent a human being. As a loving father, 
Would you send somebody else to talk to your kid? Or would you physically show up and say, hey, I care? So you think God should come down personally to you and speak to you? 100%. That dude wants a relationship with me, does he not? I I have a relationship with God. Does he want a relationship with me, guy? Guy, does he want a relationship with me? I believe he does. Okay, so if he wants a relationship with me, he's going to have to interact with me Come down, say hello. If if my dad decided to send somebody else to tell me he cares for me, mm-hmm. that's not a relationship. That's an absent father. I sent a messenger to say hi. Why didn't you? Why didn't you? Why don't you love me? Why don't you accept me as your father? I sent a messenger. He never. You're never seen him. He's and never been to your birthday message. party. I could have done what I wanted to do to that messenger and punch him in the face and walk on. Okay done that i had a choice why would you do that though that's so weird because he was bothering me i was having a bad day i didn't have time for it he wouldn't he kept walking bothering me he kept talking until he started praying it was it i it was it was the wrong mood and i told him right away i'm not like jacob what you have to sell i see your bible i thought it was freak leave me alone i got i've got enough trouble today i don't need to deal with you kind of like jacob wrestling with god that would have been awesome god came down you wrestled with him punched him around a little bit you guys duked it out holding a shirt and i said if you don't leave me alone i'm gonna punch your face should have been god though should have been god should have been that loving father you have a relationship with that's who should have showed up for you have a relationship with him at the time and the relationship i had with my own parents was so broken that i you know i i didn't care it seems more like people have shown up more for you than your invisible God. In well, that one time, yeah. And that the one, other time when your your father in law paid for your way to college, or up. all the teachers that taught you in college, or yeah, the guy that ex- anything that basically you. He didn't have to say, "I'm going to help you out." He didn't have to. No, basically. he did it yeah. on his own. He could have his he, own heart, of his own good free will. He could have done it out of his own free will. It just so happened that I was actually prepared because I'd already gotten accepted um, because I had listened to a voice and was obedient. You listen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing though. I wanted to go back to this prophecy idea. So one of the yeah. things I, this prophecy idea is when I realized that when I started, that one of the things that really um, also convinced me was I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a business guy. I'm a math guy. I, I don't necessarily believe in a lot of heebie-jeebie stuff. Hmm. Uh, I think a lot of the things that are practiced in churches is just a lot of emotional hype. Um, I, I don't think that, I think there are a lot of people, I think Christian nationalism is not Christian at all. It's more about political power. Hmm. Um, I think there are a lot of um, false teachings that go on in churches. But hmm. I, I was very curious about prophecies. And, and so when I started I was actually reading a National Geographic article about the loss of fish stocks in China, U.S., all over the world, basically a global problem. And I started thinking about that prophecy. So I actually, I had access at the time. I had access to uh, non-linear regression models, uh, probability models. Uh, I was at the oil company, so we had millions of years of geologic data. And I started building a regression probability model to say, well, what are the probabilities that this would actually happen? Now, we are in a sixth extinction right now, and that's been documented by a number of scientists, right? And so what's the probability that um, these things would happen short without the presence of an asteroid or supervolcano or some other natural phenomenon? 
And so I actually went through about only just a small set of about 15s. I didn't have forever and I didn't have all the data, but I knew I could get scientific validation that this, it said this would happen. And I've got scientific data that said, yes, that's already happened. And so I started looking at prophecy from a probabilistic model from not from not without the I tried to say let's let me take prophecy and most people focus on the allegory the weird beasts or whatever that they're creating to try and say that something's going to happen mm-hmm. and I, instead I said well let me just focus on the outcome let me just focus on what happened mm-hmm. forget mm-hmm. the allegory for a moment and see if I can make a probability a, a a valid probability model based on things that have occurred, scientific evidence that it has occurred, and what are the probabilities that all of these things could occur within a single generation. And that started opening my eyes to a lot of things as well, because there were times when I didn't really, I I had walked away from from God. I was struggling with my own personal stuff. I started wondering whether it was emotional, whether it was other things. Hmm. And that was a, a another key pivot point for me because I mean I, at the time I came up with a number of one one in one point four trillion that was random, uh, which is a pretty high number. Now if I looked at all the hundreds of prophecies that have been completed since that time and and, and valid can that can be validated news articles scientific journals etc. Uh, um, it it becomes even more astounding. So let me let me back up. I, I want I want to make sure I understand. So you're saying that the prophecy of global destruction fish stocks and all that shenanigans it's in revelation where he's pouring out bowls of wrath or is it the trumpets i think it's the trumpet one you're talking about the trumpets right there's a the, there's a seven trumpets yeah okay yeah so these are the trumpets right you're you're going through data and you're realizing that humans are causing this hat this to happen the, the, the prophecy to come true or is god blowing trumpets i'm very confused which well one? i'm just saying that the you know again get past the allegory right oh so god's not blowing trumpets God's saying that people are going to... He uses the allegory of trumpets. Why trumpets? But that these things will happen as what? part of the signs that we've entered, we're entering into. The, the Why last. not just say that these are part of the signs? This is going to happen. Fish stocks, global warming, all that shenanigans. Why I, I add blowing the trumpets? I didn't write it. That was but, how people... That was how prophets wrote back then. That was how it was done back then, in part because some of the things that they mentioned, they didn't really understand. They had no words for it. They had no um, uh, language around. Um, they they felt that it was it was going to be something supernatural. So um, the part where the stars are going to fall to the earth, it's the very part in Revelation where it says the stars are going to fall to the earth. How do you take that? That's part of the allegory. I could also basically the water is going to turn to blood. Um, well, that's that happens. That's happening in certain parts. Is it uh, happening all over the world? So everybody has to drink no, nothing but blood. Um, that that's happened. All that's happened in certain parts no, of the. That's world. well. Um, and that, look that, that up, hundred percent. But it's not happening all over the world. So people if, are. If you were to have an dying of thirst, earth, basically, you have enough um, cloud cover where basically it would be you know the, the allegory that you would say is I can't see stars the star. can't fall to the earth. Stars are falling. Stars can't fall to the earth. Stars are are, are suns. Focusing on the allegory. Right. So let's go back to the mountains falling over. The mountain's going to fall over. There's so many different things in there. And, and you're just like picking like, oh, this is the global warming part. This is the fish stock part. Or, or some rivers have turned to blood. That's I don't even think that's true. But that's beside the point. That's some rivers. That's not what it says. It says the mountains are going to crumble into the seas. Earthquakes. All the water is going to turn to blood. Nobody's going to have anything to drink. The, the stars are going to fall to the earth. None of that makes any sense. 
You're picking what little parts that can correlate with global warming, but everything else you're just pushing aside. You're the, the, the singing animals. Oh, I love that part. Every animal on the planet is going to sing praises to God. Earthworms, dogs, kittens. <laughs> I love you, it. You seem to have a very negative view of anything that's written in scripture that you can't basically associate with what you can do yourself. I, so your you're God is yourself. Point this out real quick. I have a negative view of what's in here, period. I okay. don't think it's parental advisory, explicit content. That's on my Bible for a reason. I well, would never let my kids just sit there with a Bible and read it. Holy cow. Have you read that thing? There's so many things in there. <laughs> there so are certain things that make very little sense in our natural mind. But what I am saying is that you can take the things that you can predict. And even not just you saying I'm just taking a few. I You could take dozens or hundreds of different various prophecies like about it. And validate them through news alerts, through climate change, through wars, through technology. Wow. There's always been wars. There's always been climate disasters, and now all of a yeah, sudden it fits have into the kind of technology we have today. Never. So what's that got to do with it? We're now creating uh, weapons with artificial intelligence, with nuclear power, with all kinds of advanced weaponry. Never have those existed before. We've what about never the first people to experience a gun? Have you seen these weapons of mass destruction that we I have now? It's the end times. And that's okay. You're, you're allowed to. But, but do you think do you think we're living in the end times? Yeah, I actually do. Okay. Actually, Why do you think we are living in the end times versus every other Christian that came before you has thought that they've lived in the end times? Why well, now? Because of the advancement of technology? Sorry, go ahead. Before that have existed. For one, well, one of the key triggers for the, the end times is that nation, that Israel would become a nation again. For 2,000 years, it wasn't happened. Tell me one other time in all of human history where a world body has gotten together and said, hey, we want to give these ancient people that were dispersed from their land their land back. It's never happened. I don't care, but we should probably do that more often. Well, whether we should or shouldn't, <laughs> it's never happened, and it hasn't happened since. Right? Okay, so that proves that, that God's coming back now? What's the probability of that happening? Well, very, 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 very low. But so yet what's the probability of it connecting to God? Why wouldn't we connect to God? What's the probability of not doing it? People connection. There's a connection between that and God coming back. That's what I'm saying. The probability of that. And spiritual experiences, you're discounting the fact that anybody else can. Which is kind of all. That's pretty close to I'm close-minded. Guy, yeah. I I was a Christian for most of my life, guy. God never showed up. I never had my Saul to you, Paul moment, guy. I never had my guy moment. That, well, he never showed up for me. He wants to have this relationship, but he was afraid to show up for some reason. Yet it's still to happen. Maybe you haven't looked hard enough. That's why. Oh, guy, don't even assume. Practical. You were looking for God to do something for you. Right. That's what the Bible says. He's going to show up for me if I ask him to. He's going to tell me unknowable things. In churches, and there are a lot of dead people in churches. Does God and not show up for people who ask? That would happen. Does God not show up for people who ask? I think God shows up for people who ask for the right things and in in with a sincere heart. And right. The right way. So, so I can but be saved from hell. Right. So he I can have a relationship with him. If I want a relationship with somebody, I'm going to have to have them show up. So I'm asking God, the guy that wants to have the relationship with me, the invisible mute being who has never revealed himself to me. That would be great. If you want to have that relationship with me, show up. It's pretty simple. And I look in that Gideon story. I love that Gideon story because in that Gideon story, Gideon tested God. 
And what did God do? He followed through. He followed through. Yeah. He showed. He proved himself to Gideon. Did he prove himself to Saul? Yes. Did he prove himself to Moses? Yes, he showed up. How about Abraham? Showed up. Adam and Eve? Showed up. So Michael you're, Eisman, look, you're looking for a Gideon moment. What's that? You're looking for your Gideon moment. Where's my Gideon moment? Where's my Paul moment? This guy wants to have a relationship. He's going to throw me into hell if I don't have a relationship with him. Well, this is pretty serious. To the point where it can't happen. What's that? Sorry, go ahead. Maybe you've already closed your mind to the point where it can't happen. Or That's ridiculous, sure. guy. Then he knows what can help me. He knows, but he refuses to do it. Uh, well, I've had a lot of troubles in my life. I've yes. lost two fortunes. I've lost marriages. I've lost kids. I My life has not been perfect. Nobody's and I, this I, guy. I say that it has been. Yeah. Um, it's been full of trouble. I grew up being beat with boards, burned with cigarettes. Mm. You know, um, I was left on a beach by myself to basically in the middle of nowhere just to be abandoned. I, 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 I Not a lot of people have gone through some of the things I've gone through. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, man. That sucks. Yeah. And, um, and I never would have had. I never would have. I could have easily gotten angry and bitter saying God never. God gave other people great families. Amazing families, good, solid, middle class, upper middle class upbringings, uh -huh. fun childhoods with lots of happy memories. Uh -huh. I never had any of that. Did they grow up fine, too, they, and grew up and love the Lord and all that? Why couldn't he give that to you? Well, maybe because I needed it more. That's terrible, guy. You're maybe. telling me that your God, your loving father figure, thought you need to be beat with boards and burnt with cigarettes. I don't think that was God at all. I think that was the God result. allowed it. Yeah, God allows a lot of things, but it doesn't mean that's God doing it. God allowing it and not stepping into stopping it is the same thing as doing it. Dude, if there was something happening in my house to my kids and I didn't stop it, whose fault is uh, it? In terms of uh, a human understanding that you don't understand. Right, and I'm trying to help you understand. If there's something happening in my house to my kids. Yeah, if, there's, some, if there's something happening in my house to my kids and I don't step in to, ha to help, and I watch it happen. Who's at fault? Let's say you have a, a kid and basically he's. Let's answer that one first, guy. Let's go to that that analogy. Your kid is a rebellious son of a gun and he hates you and he thinks you're a bad dad. Uh -huh. He doesn't want you involved and he doesn't want you in his life and he's going to go do his own thing and he gets into drug addiction and he winds up doing committing crimes and he gets into jail. Um, does that make you a bad dad that your child has basically rejected everything you told him he should be doing if he wanted to live a good life? No, nope, but I'm still going to show up, guy. I'm still going to well, show up. And, and maybe he's showing up through me. Where? Right. To basically tell you that maybe you're, you've kind of taken a negative view. Guy, maybe... that's ridiculous. He needs to show up himself. If he wants to be anything besides an absent-minded or an absent-minded, <laughs> an absent father, an absentee father, whatever it is. Well, then whether he needs to get over here it's going to depend on your relationship with him or your readiness for it. I can't have a relationship with somebody that doesn't show up, guy. Well, listen, I, I, I'm I, not going to talk about your relationship, but you can't then tell me that mine isn't valid. I didn't tell you yours wasn't valid. Well, I didn't that's say that at all. You're trying to challenge. And I'm, I'm not here. I'm telling I'm, you, I'm, your God I'm, does not want to have a relationship with me, guy. That's where I'm at. Your God does not want to have a relationship with me. Otherwise, he would have shown up just like he did for Gideon, just like he did for Joseph, just like he did for everybody else in the Bible there.
And there were times in my life that it didn't seem like God was going to show up at all. Didn't seem like it. Guy, I'm 41 years old. Guy, I'm 41 years old. What's he waiting for? Abraham was 80. (laughs) Abraham was told to kill his son. I don't think that's a great story. Abraham basically was willing to do it until God said, okay, now that I know where your heart is, that you, you know, don't. Now do that I know where your guy, he's all now knowing. He knew. Now that I know that you're actually willing to basically put me he first. Knew, guy. He knew. But Abraham didn't know. Why does. <laughs> and if you don't think that the trials of your life change your heart. Change he told them to kill his son, guy. That's a holy, that's a totally different thing. I'm, you're talking about trials in your life. You had a tough childhood. Abraham was told to kill his son. And that's okay. Dude, that beyond I that, that's I that. I think just, it's okay to kill your son. God thought it was okay. That's the way to test somebody. Test somebody that he already knew his heart. He already knew, but Abraham didn't know that he could. And Abraham, Abraham knew he trusted God. Did he not? Did Abraham know he trusted God? How do you know that? None of Because us he went to kill his son. He had the knife. He was going to kill his son. You're telling me he didn't trust God? Come on, guy. Come on, guy. I think he did. Of he must he did. God. Of course and he did. And he knew he trusted God. And God knew he trusted him. You, so the entire thing is... People, maybe not you, but somebody else needed to know that God was going to test them. That God isn't just going to just make everything easy. You want God to make everything easy for I want you. God not to tell me to kill my kid, guy. I want this loving father figure to show up and save me from the hell that he's going to send me to if he doesn't show up. Come on, well, guy. If you, I'm, then I'm here to tell you that we're in the last days and there's probably the math doesn't. Well, he lie. better show up. He better hurry up. Then and you have to be open to it. And I'm you're not thinking. already concluded that he's not going to show up and that he's basically an evil god because he just. You know, why? You know, you're the kid in you're the kid in prison who doesn't really want to see his dad or believe what his dad says. Weird. I keep asking. Dad, show up. Okay, now you have a personal relationship with this guy, right? Personal relationship. You talk to him. He talks to you. Feelings, whatnot. Right? I know a lot of Christians that claim they have personal relationships, but they're really, when you really get down to where their focus is, it's on money, it's on wealth, it's on... Yeah, I totally agree. So is is that God, is that personal relationship... Cultural thing that people go through doesn't really necessarily mean that that their lives have changed. Is God in the room with you right now? I think God's with me where I go. Can you talk to him right now? I I could, but I'm having a conversation with you. Can you do both? Like a three-way. It's God. Like a three. Beep, beep. You put the other person on, and you got the third. That kind of stuff. I don't consider myself that much of a spiritual person. Oh, so you can't ask him questions and have him answer? I can only count. I mean, if I wanted to basically get in prayer and, and talk to God, yeah. But do I hear from him all the time? No. How is that a personal relationship then? You're dealing with an omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful God. What's the nature of multidimension? Do you you believe scientists, when scientists talk about that, that our our universe is made of multiple dimensions, only a fraction of them that we can actually perceive. We can only hear through to certain types of frequencies. We can only see through certain types of wavelengths. And that scientists have basically said that they, the universe consists. We're of, limited. We are limited, but God is not. God is not limited. God is not. But we God are. is not limited. So let's right. ask God to show up. Let's ask Him this unlimited, all powerful being that you have a personal relationship with. Let's ask Him right now if He'd like to show up and save me, my soul from hell, and all the listeners that are atheists. 
Let's do that. How about that? I, I First off, I can say this, that the scriptures say that only a few people will actually do that. Most people won't. That's because that's because God knows the nature of who we are as a people, as individuals and as a species. So I do pray for a lot of different things and God will answer it in a way that suits his purposes, not mine. Because God's Jeremiah, not my Jeremiah not 33, my... 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell mm -hmm. you great and unsearchable things you do not know. I've called, I've called, I've called, I've called. I don't even get a busy signal. There's just nothing. I'm sorry to hear that, my friend. But Why I can't that? say that's been my experience. So you call and he answers. Let's call him right now. I tried to call. <laughs> See, you're wanting to have a genie. There's your genie mentality. You're about... telling me you have a personal. If I have a personal relationship with somebody, I don't even know where my phone's at. I can call them up and we can talk to them. I could FaceTime my you're mom right now. Down to your level. She would show up. Purposes at my your mom loves me more than Jesus. And I, I'm, I'm saying if he is the creator of the universe, if he is as, as omnipresent as he says he is, if he's a, an interdimensional being, that all powerful, all knowing, you know, then he, it's not up to me to basically tell him how to how to act. No, but, but you can communicate say, with him, though. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not telling you to, to tell him how to act. I can call my mom on the phone and we can have a conversation. I can do a FaceTime. We can all three talk. Same Can you do that with your Same personal friends? You're trying to basically equate God as if you could equate to your cousin or your mom. Or You're your doing that. You're telling me it's a personal relationship. I'm saying that I seek God and trying to understand who he is, what he teaches, and trying to and trying to uh, apply that to my life. That's not and a personal relationship, though. God has told me things that have actually changed my life. Sometimes. Things that have happened in my life that I can't attribute to anything other than so um, he's like an acquaintance outside of myself, my own doing. And there's been a whole lot of times when I have screwed up the, 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 well, we reap what we sow. It's either good. I've either reap, uh, sown good seed and reap from it, or I've sown bad seed and reap from that. That doesn't mean that God is your day to day sort of, you know, I'm going to walk you to school and, and do these things. And there doesn't are mean he's there. Read Christianity that way. They try and read religion that way. I because don't. everybody keeps telling me they have a personal relationship. I walk and I talk with God. I spend my days with God. But oh, wait, you want to talk to him? He can't. He's busy. Maybe you're missing too busy. But here's what I think they're trying to say. What are you trying to say? There's I don't care what they're trying to say. I want to know what you're trying to say. I'm trying to say that my relationship with how I interpret God in my life has nothing to do with what I hear a pastor or a church saying. Okay, right? yeah, but that's has nothing to do with a religious ritual, has nothing to do with a governmental policy, has nothing to do whether I can pray in school or not pray in school. It has, has everything to do with the with meaning of the words you're using. Of me that I can do. I'm the one, I'm the only one who can basically say, I believe that this, this word is true, and I'm okay. going to try and apply it to my life. Okay. I can that I've, that, um, that I've done these things and these are the things that I've sown and that I need, and if I want to realign myself, that's a, I have, that's a choice I have to make to basically try to understand God to the best of my ability and trying to, and trying to mold myself in that direction. That's the personal part of it. It's not, there's nothing about a nation that can be Christian. There's nothing about a, a, a community, not even a church 
can guarantee that if you go to that church, you're automatically have a relationship with God. It's yeah, always well. an individual choice and personal decision. And that's what I think they're trying to say. Now, to say that I have a relationship in the same way that I have a relationship with my wife is is ludicrous. So don't say it's a personal because relationship. My wife is not a spiritual being. You know, How does one have a personal relationship with a spiritual being they cannot interact with? The same way I'm talking about, trying to understand that if, that the if the word is true, how do you apply it to your life? How do you believe it? How so do that's you to you. Faith? That's a personal relationship. You can't come to him, and if you don't believe that, you can't come to us. Then then it doesn't happen. And there's a lot of times I thought, well, I'm not, maybe I'm not getting what I want because I don't believe enough. The, the scripture also says that sometimes we ask for things because they're there to just fulfill ourselves. Right. Yeah. Like keeping your child alive can be selfish because God wants that child in heaven. God wants that child to suffer so you can learn a lesson. I've talked to people like that. That's, well, that's, that's know, beside I, the point. We are. I don't really see the evilness in, in some of that. And I don't, while I don't understand why that had to be the test that Abraham had to go through, other than the fact that Abraham was 80 years old and believed that that was probably the only son he was ever going to have. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't understand all that. And I don't try and claim to. I, appreciate that. Um, I, I try to basically say, how is God dealing with me hmm. now? How do you know, know God, God is dealing with you? That's my question. If God had asked me to kill my son, I couldn't have done it. Well, that's a good thing. I, I, <laughs> I mean, that's good. I mean, and he tells people to kill the Amalekite kids too. He had actually I mean, gone through with it. If he had gone through with it and not provided a sacrifice. He did in, with the Amalekites. He, he had them kill their kids, um, he, slaughter their children. God ordered the slaughter of children. I think, you know, I think there's a great amount of people who focus on the Old Testament as opposed to who Jesus Did was. Did God do these things? Um, those things happened. Did God do these things? Did God destroy the army? That Did Gideon? God tell people to go kill the children of the Amalekites? That's what the, that's what some people believe that, that they were That's told. what the Bible says. Uh, Did God flood the earth and kill all the children? Did Did God actually tell them to do that? You know, I, 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 that's I, what it says. It's, it says that in there. Yeah. Right. I don't believe I, God I, told them to do anything. But. People that believe that, um, you know, you know, I mean, look at Putin, you know, he's basically killing off the Ukrainians. Did God, tell him God, him? he's, he killed the whole planet. Hitler claimed that God was, that God was on his side while he was killing the Jews. A lot of people claim to have God on their side while they're doing evil. People in the Inquisition. God does evil. That's what I'm God, saying. To basically torture these people. That's what I'm trying that to get to. All the Christians to go on the Crusades. Um, the, Who killed uh, the firstborn of Egypt? Lion would basically because they were trying to purify it for God. The, the evil guy. in the name of God in the history had been atrocious and abundant. Guy, who caused the Passover? What's that? Who killed the children in the Passover? Um, there is the spirit of Passover now. If you look, so, God, the Lord came down. And killed all the firstborn of Egypt. The Lord came down and killed all the firstborn of Egypt. God killed them. Who killed all the kids in the flood? God. You're wanting to create an evil Who? God. You get along with I don't God. have to create an evil God. I read the Bible. I read the Bible. He slaughters children out of jealousy, guy. He says, I am a jealous God who punishes children for the sins of their fathers. If you want to know who God is, read the Old Testament. That parts of those parts of what are, are called holy scriptures are not holy at all. Of course not, because you know it doesn't add up to the loving God part. Words, I think they come from a a nationalistic survival kind of mentality, and and I think that's why we're called stiff necked. Is right? all scripture God breathed? 
and useful for preaching, teaching, correcting, and training in righteousness? I think it's useful. I think uh, whether it's God, All scripture. I'm not quite sure um, about that I, because I think it does lead to a lot of confusion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Nailed that I, one. I can't say that there are some people, and I tend, as I said, I tend to be more of a, um, I, I look at how the people interpret things and I look at how mm. maybe that might have been. So I, I look at let's seven, the seven, the plagues of, of Egypt. Mm. And I've seen some studies that I actually make a lot of really good sense that the, the plagues of Egypt could have been results of, for example, the uh, and it was about the same time that the um, uh, island of Thera, the, the volcano at Thera basically erupted, destroyed most of the, the Mediterranean, uh, caused great uh, uh, environmental hazards. Um, so if you look at the progression of the plagues, um, it could have been from the ash falling. And, oh, yeah, you, yeah. So you don't believe God did it? You're going to get the frogs come out. The frogs come out and die. The flies, yeah, flies come with frogs. And yeah, 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 yeah. It's like going to die. You now have a progression of natural things that that happen. And and what I and sometimes what the Bible is is it's trying to create a spiritual interpretation of those things happening, and how that resulted in the children of Israel being set. Free. God of the gaps, right? They're filling in these these things and putting their God in there. So, do you think that 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 the Passover happened? Do you think that God came down and killed the firstborn of Egypt? Do you I, think He asked I, for the blood? I, now, here's what I wouldn't understand: uh, if it's true the way it's written, why the firstborn of Egypt would have died, but not the firstborn of the Israelis? I don't know exactly how to explain that. Um, was it God doing it as an evil kind of an evil thing? I don't know. Um, so about the flood? Then. How about the flood? Passover, push that aside. What about the flood? Think, Do you think that happened? I think the flood actually happened. Yeah, and I think that can be traced back to um, the um, younger driest asteroid that hit in Canada. Yeah, caused, I, I don't uh, think I don't think it actually happened, but um, caused great um, tsunamis across yeah. the. What I want to get into is why. Was it a global flood where you know Mount Everest was covered? I don't. I think that's a misinterpretation. Do you and think no, it says the waters rose above the, the highest mountain? So I mean, that's pretty. Almost every coastal um, community basically was flooded because do you the, think the God flooded geologic. Guy, do you think God flooded it? <laughs> you you want to kind of I I think that in a spiritual sense, all these things are happening. I think a lot of people are trying to attribute these things to God. I don't know I what that happened. I don't know what that spiritual uh, means part means, but did God do it? Did God flood the earth? Um, I don't. I don't think. I, I don't necessarily believe it was God trying to do an act against people. I think it was a, a thing that happened, mm. and there were people that basically looked at the world and said, um, "These." There was a, a certain amount of. Um, um, I, I, I think it was an interpretation. Yeah. So why don't you take that with Jesus? That whole thing. It's just an interpretation. It could have been. It could have been God saying, hey, the world is really kind of corrupt right now. We're going to start over. Could have been humans just saying, hey, I really like this guru. The driest asteroid wasn't human. Um, that was that was actually a physical event that, that actually Well, I don't did. think the flood happened. That's beside the point. We're talking about Jesus now. So do you think that the Jesus rose from the dead? You know, he's a demigod and all that. Or if he's just somebody's really favorite guru and they deified him. Like, you know, we deify things. Humans do that. There's all kinds of kings and people who have been deified in the past. How is Jesus not the same as everybody else? Well, uh, you know, that's a matter of faith. And, all faith. Asking, and what is faith? You're just pretending at that but point. I can though. say that the apostles were each willing to give up their lives. Oh, people and, die for their religion and their, their, their ridiculous beliefs all the time. That doesn't make it real, though, guy. That doesn't make it real. If, that, if that's real, then the 9-11 hijackers had it right. 
So that that's a ridiculous. We can't use that one. <laughs> so <laughs> you know what I mean? That doesn't make that doesn't add up. So why these other things? Let me why? Ask you a question. Why, why do you not Christians on your show so that you can attack their faith? I'm not attacking your faith. I'm trying to understand how it makes sense because it doesn't make sense. If it doesn't no, make sense, I'm going to question to justify it. Your, you're trying to justify your attitudes by trying to I'm trying them. to get you to justify your beliefs so we can understand, so we can all be and understand, oh, Jesus is real. Hey, I'm saved from hell. That's what you have. You have the ticket, right? I know that. The knowledge. Life, I know that my life changed when I started believing that there was something bigger than me, greater than me. Guy, my life changed when I started I, believing in I humanism. And it's continued to change since. Same with me and humanism, guy. Well, you know, then no then God required. That's your grave, and you'll find it. We'll both find out when we die. I can say this: <laughs> every, every study I've ever read confirms that death rates one hundred percent. Yes, we'll each have we the agree. experience on that, right? Death and taxes, so, man. Death and taxes. Uh, I I know what changed my life. Mm. I know the things that brought. Um, that took me from um, the place of, I will tell you that when, by the time I finished um, grad school, by the time I had jobs at IBM and I was reporting to CXOs, I thought I was tough. I thought I was the bee's knees. Mm. Uh, I have 142 IQ. I was doing all these great things. I was flying on corporate jets. I was sailing on yachts. Captain I had, Fancy Pants. <laughs> but, I, but that didn't define, that wasn't what was defining um, that wasn't what made me happy. Um, I had what to makes go you happy. Yeah. Yeah. I something. something about myself. I still struggled with addiction. I still struggled with, um, being, um, very promiscuous. Um, I still struggled with family issues and, and it, I, until I could learn step-by-step step how to apply God's word into all of those aspects of my life, did they finally, did they finally turn around? Interesting. Now, I, I, I had the opposite guy. Myself, when I that, left religion, it was more freeing for me. I became more happy. I became a better person once well, I left I, I religion. So why is that? Religion. I why would I? Why I would I leave believing in God be and be better? I sit and argue with most of my pastors. I don't consider them above me. At, but why it. would I? My life get better when I left religion. Why would my life get probably better? Leaving a false religion. You were probably leaving false. I believed in God. I don't believe in God anymore, guy. Why, when I left my belief in God, am I a better person and I'm happier? I don't know. That's up to you. Me neither. That's weird. I can't answer that for you. That's something only you'd answer for yourself. Yes. And it's because it's freeing. It doesn't apply to my life. It's just kind of, it's just, that doesn't make sense either. (laughs) Well, we can't believe in God if it only works for you, guy. So that's a little bit, that's, you know. And you'll have to find, you'll have to figure that out for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. I I appreciate that. I I appreciate it. I can tell you that the probability, I can say that from a math perspective, that the chances that we're not, that we have not fulfilled um, 80% of the prophecies is like one in trillions. Now, I I don't believe in any prophecies, guy. I don't don't believe in a lot of the, you know, slain in the spirit stuff. There's a lot of things I don't believe. I don't believe in a lot of religious stuff. I think the Catholics get it wrong. I think Protestants get it wrong. I think Muslims get it wrong. But I think that there are some elements of truth sprinkled in all of those things, and we have polluted them with our own, um, wow, our own hubris and thinking and, and over-spiritual. And I used to tell people all the time, you're over-spiritualizing the, the situation. That doesn't mean there isn't a spiritual truth. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, the guy who knows the truth 
should come down and tell us. He got this book. He's got this book. Maybe he should straighten us all out and go, look, this part's not right. This. Sorry, what? I believe that Jesus, what, and if he came down, he would be treated just like Jesus was treated. Would be, there would be people who basically saying, you're wrong. I don't At believe least he you. Tr- he would know how to come down so that wouldn't happen. He's an all-knowing, all-powerful God. He would know. <laughs> come on. He can come down and give us his truth. assumption about what his goals are in that sense. And that He wants to give me the truth, guy. Does he not want to spread the truth? Tell me, Does God not want to spread the truth? Spaceship landed on Earth today and said, "I don't Here, care about spaceships." Does God want to tell everybody the truth? Alien spaceship landed on Earth today and told you, "This is how you should be living your life." We know we exist billions of years longer than you. Would there be p- people who would basically say, "No, shoot the damn thing out of the air"? Of course, there's some people that would think that. But does God want everybody to know the truth? Why do you think the response to God would be any different, guy? Does God want everybody to know the truth? does is it designed that everyone should know the truth who designed it that way you know why would god not want everybody to know the truth what a crappy design if he wants everybody to know the truth it'd probably be best if he shows up and tells everybody the truth jesus doesn't count because he's got a bunch of crap in here nobody can agree on so i mean obviously that didn't work so he should come down he knows everything he knows when the right time would be over everybody i want god to prove himself you want an autocratic God. I want a God to prove himself. If Jesus rose from the dead, that wasn't proof for you. If an alien, I wasn't there, guy. Were you there? Come on, guy. That's not proof. Not find proof unless it basically is proof on your terms and in your way. And, and God knows what it is. And he knows what would convince me. He knows it, but he, he hasn't done it. it. And, but he basically is because you're not. Yeah, no, that's that's your It's I'm my not, fault. It's my fault God won't show up. It's, <laughs> it's my fault. My daddy won't come box. and visit me. It's God my fault. Live in that box. And you say, well, I want you to live in my box to prove it in my way at my time. Dad, I'd like you to show you up. Do, that, you're basically do you think you can show up to my birthday party, Dad? You know? I mean, that's where we're at here. You want, you want a God that's a genie in the bottle. I want a dad that shows up. That's what he's supposed to be, right? You want a God that's a genie in the bottle. That's okay. Do, do what I want. Prove it to me. Come to me. Have a relationship yeah. that I could yep. basically have a relationship with me if you want one. And and, and manipulate the way I want and in the time I want. And Tell me you- I'm wrong about your book, God. Tell me I'm wrong. Come down and save my eternal soul. Tell me what I'm wrong about. That's where I'm at, guy. This has been a- you're not willing to listen. It's not going to do any good. Yeah. I just stick my fingers in my ear. Yeah. Okay, so tell us. Thank you. I appreciate all of it today. You've been awesome um, and a lot of fun. Um, go ahead and plug your stuff. Where can we find all of your uh, your books, your your uh, songs, all of that? Well, uh, the best place to go. My books are. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about them, but they're um, amazing stories about artificial intelligence. Uh, I'll just give you one quick snippet. One of the experiences. My books are all based on things that really happened, uh, and and deep research. One tiny little snippet that inspired my artificial intelligence espionage prophecy series was that years ago, I discovered a program had escaped the Lawrence Livermore Laboratories at Sandia, which is an NSA spy lab. Hmm. And when I figured out how a program, spy program could escape the NSA and what it was designed to do that it had that amazing capability and Hmm. why it would leave, I had two FBI agents show up at my door. In 2016, I was further confirmed when uh, CNN reported that Russia had hacked the CIA cyber toolkit, and that toolkit was virtually every single one of the functions I had envisioned in that escaped program, including what we now call the deepfake video technology. 
Hmm. So my books combine three threads. It basically combines artificial intelligence and other advanced technologies that are racing faster than our ability to control them, either morally or legally, hmm. uh, corrupt politics and corrupt religion of all sorts. And I don't, I'm agnostic on politics and on those things. So I, I whack at everybody. And then the theory that based on the positive model I did that this program that escaped has now decoded in time prophecy and is trying to warn us that we're destroying ourselves and we don't want to listen. Sounds and that's fun. the theme that goes throughout the books. Sounds fun, man. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Where, where, the, where can we find them at though? com. It has links to all the buy places, uh, reviews, uh, facts versus fiction, image libraries, the whole works. GuyMorris.com. I cut you off there for a second. GuyMorrisBooks.com. Oh, GuyMorrisBooks.com. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Stay Thanks, safe out there. We'll keep in touch, man. Take care. Bye-bye. That's all the show there is for you today. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard and want to help keep the recording light on, simply go to patreon.com forward slash BSW the podcast and sign up to be a supporter of the show. Your episodic tithes of a dollar or more will give you access to the patron feed, unaired conversations, early access to each episode, and much more. For the latest events, BSW swag, and a peek behind the scenes, head on over to the show's ever-evolving webpage at thebiblesayswhat.com. The Bible Says What the book is out. Head on over to thebiblesayswhat.com and get yourself and your grandma a signed copy. Thanks to the cosmic powers of the internet, it is now possible to buy me a beer or coffee online. Simply go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash BSW the podcast and click the appropriate buttons. If you can't support the show monetarily, please like, share, and or leave a review. As always, you can find me at the Bible Says What Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Instagram pages. You can also reach me at bswthepodcast at gmail.com. And no matter which platform you use to listen to your podcasts, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you won't miss out on the next episode. Until then, would you kindly pick up your Bibles and read them? know right from wrong they have no clue they do not know good from evil they didn't eat the tree yet the tree that yahweh purposely put in the middle of the garden so that they would eat it then he let the oh, no, Satan serpent that. oh no 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 it no, doesn't say that oh no michael that's naughty he doesn't say Terry, he you read the, the story the garden in the it's, no it's common it doesn't sense, say that Terry. he put it in the garden so that they would uh eat it's common it. sense terry say. He knew oh, what no, the you're tree... reading something in he... there that's not there. Terry, oh, he I'm knew sorry, the tree... Mike. Oh, that's so naughty of you. I am that's a so naughty, naughty man. To put that naughty. in there. Yes, you so, are. I also think Yahweh's naughty by just... putting trees in there, knowing it will cause the fall of man. He knew that putting his trees in the middle of the garden would cause the fall Doesn't say of that. man. Doesn't say that. Oh, does well, he know uh, everything, you... Terry? You should have written this. Terry, does he know everything? Terry, does Yahweh know everything? Does Yahweh know everything, Let's read what it actually says. Terry, does Yahweh know everything? Why don't we do that? Should we read what it actually says? Terry. Or, Or should we?